0: Hello and welcome to the podcast from Holy Trinity Westerhales. We're delighted that you've joined us for this week's podcast, and pray that you would be blessed through it. I'm going to invite uh, Kenny Rothwick to come up. He's going to read the scriptures to us and uh, say hello to you. Come on up, Kenny. Well, maybe I'll uh, say hello first of all and uh, say some things that uh, won't interrupt the, the preaching of God's word later on. Uh, I'm actually feeling very well. I'm feeling uh, probably as well as I've felt uh, for 10 years. I think it was um, 2012 I started to slide into to feeling ill. And originally, because of a a wrong diagnosis, uh, I was expected to live for under three years. And then they changed the diagnosis, and uh, apart from that change of diagnosis, I'm actually feeling extremely good. That's after um, having had a a heart attack uh, since I was last here, and uh, two heart procedures, and uh, double pneumonia on top of my lung condition. And uh, I can only explain the fact that I'm here by the fact that people pray for me. I really, really mean that. I really, really mean that, that God hears and answers prayer. Uh, I remember being at the the African uh, church here. Christiana invited me to preach there once, and I've never heard a service that began in this way. Somebody stood up to pray, and you know what their opening remark was? Lord, we thank you that we are not dead. (laughs) And uh, that maybe showed something of the background that they came from. Before they came to Wester Hills, why don't you turn to somebody and say it's a good thing you're not dead? Why not you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I should have remembered. Any time you encourage conversation in Wester Hills, it never stops, and you can never. well, uh, We'll risk it once more just turn to the same person and say, God's not finished with you yet. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're getting on well, I'm glad to say. And uh, uh, Sarah and David are getting on well. So uh, just to get all of that out of the way so that you don't need to ask us the same question a hundred times over. Um, we're enjoying being up in the away. And uh, I, I feel the fear of the Lord when I'm there because when I'm up there, I remember that there's nowhere in the UK that God has worked more powerfully than on the island of Lewis in living memory. And I'm very conscious of that when I'm there and I don't want to muck it up. I'm very conscious when I'm here. I've never been in a congregation where I've felt the presence of God so consistently and I don't want to muck it up. Turn to the same person once more and say, this is a precious place because God is here. And I hope you really, really believe that. And uh, he's here to meet with his people and here to speak to us today. So with that in mind, let's turn to God's word. We're going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 1. Uh, 1st Samuel chapter 1 and we'll break into the story at verse uh, 9. Uh, Maybe I don't know where all of you are in terms of Bible reading. There's some faces here I don't recognize. So let me just set the scene here. Uh, A man called Elkanah had two wives and one of his wives, uh, Penina, she gave him many children. But his other wife, Hannah, uh, she couldn't seem to give birth. She couldn't seem to conceive. And that upset her greatly. She was greatly loved by her husband, but it upset her greatly that she wasn't able to conceive a child. And that would come very much to the fore of her attention every year when Elkanah and the family went up to worship the Lord at, uh, at Shiloh. And so that's the setting of the scene, that there at Shiloh they would eat and drink in the presence of the Lord and worship the Lord. So that's setting the scene for you. After they had eaten and drunk, verse 9, in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting in the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. Hannah was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look in the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli, the priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. And so Samuel is born, and just as Hannah has promised, he's given into the the service of the Lord. And we pick up the story in chapter 3 at verse 1. So chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, here I am. And Samuel's prophetic ministry begins, and then just a few more verses from verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Amen. We thank God for his word. We pray that he'll give us such understanding as he means for us to receive this morning. And to his name be the glory and the praise. Well, I believe it's time for the children to go if you want to go. And uh, thanks to the praise team. It's just wonderful and wonderful to be back in such a a lovely uh, free atmosphere of of worship. Um, I I hope we appreciate that. I hope that doesn't sound too uh, school uh, teacherish. But, you know, when when we're in Lewis, we can go for a walk in some of the most beautiful beaches anywhere in the land. And you know what? Sometimes we're the only ones on the beach. And I start wondering, well, where's all the local folk? You know, where are they? Why are they not here in such a beautiful place and such a beautiful day? I guess when you're familiar with something, you, you can start to just be familiar with it and stop treasuring it. I hope you always treasure what is here in this place. I Hope you always treasure the presence of God. I hope you always treasure the freedom there is in worship because actually even in these days, it's rare to find a place like this. So it's a very, very precious thing that you have here. And I hope you're always grateful. And I'll come back to that actually later on uh, in the service as we look at God's word together. But you know, as I've been looking around here, I'm not sure what thought is uppermost in my mind Uh, I'm seeing some old faces and some, I don't mean old in terms of age, I mean old in terms of familiar, seeing some old and familiar and well-kept faces, and that's uh, brought me such joy just to remember back, and it's just awakened warmth and affection. And uh, I'm looking around as well and I'm seeing new faces, and uh, that's wonderful as well, people that weren't here when I left uh, well, effectively, I stopped functioning in 2015 and then left officially in 2016. And it's wonderful to see the new faces. And then again, I'm, I'm looking around for faces that I wish were here and they're not here because they're now in glory. And uh, it's, it's never easy, is it, to lose those we, we, we've loved and known. And uh, we grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. And uh, one day we will meet all again. We'll all meet together again in a place of no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more tears, no more death, where God himself will wipe away every tear. And what stories we'll have to share and what catching up we'll have to do. So that's in my thoughts as I'm I'm looking around. But, you know, that's not just incidental, saying that, because it reminds me that every place is a story in God, and the story is always moving on, and the story is always developing. At least that's what's meant to happen the story is meant to move on and meant to uh, be developing. And it's a wonderful idea to have this 50 years celebration. But the idea behind that, to to quote a a Dave Bilbrus song, is not so that we become kings of nostalgia, but so that having looked at the story and thought of the story, we actually become prophets of our God in terms of understanding and hearing what he's calling us into and what he's calling us uh, to move towards. You know, I think that that sort of into and moving onwards, I don't know if you know this, those of you who are newer to the congregation, but actually there was a congregation here before the building was here. And the congregation that was here before the building was here was a group of people that moved out from Edinburgh because they had this in mind that this was a new area, a new scheme, new houses, but there was no church here. And they were offered the opportunity to move here from wherever they were in Edinburgh and to gather here and be the worshiping people of God in this place. So there was a worshiping people here before the building was here. And I think that sort of DNA has always been very much part of Holy Trinity from the start so that there's always been a sense of moving forward and moving onwards, and it's never been a place that has been populated by kings of nostalgia. There's always been that sort of prophetic edge. What is the Lord saying, and what is he calling us into? And so I was just remembering that original group of people, and some of you will remember some of these people like Kathy Brown and Chrissy and so on, just that original group of people who had that mentality of wanting to catch hold of the purposes of God and move with it. In fact, the last cake I remember being cut here in Holy Trinity was cut by Kathy Brown. I can't remember what the celebration was. It was maybe the opening of the cafe, the, the, the renovated cafe downstairs. So that's your DNA, and may you never lose it. And with all that by way of introduction, I, I want to get into the story of Samuel because it's not incidental all that I've just said. It's connected uh, with what I want to say because the story of Samuel breaks into the scene at a time that was really very, very dark. We've already thought about how dark it was for Hannah, because back in these days, childlessness, well, that's always distressing when you want to have a child and you can't have a child. So it was very distressing for Hannah personally, just on that personal level. But these were very dark days for Israel as well. You maybe remember that we read of a priest called Eli and Eli was supposed to be the spiritual head of Israel at that time, but he wasn't making a very good job of it. And we know from the story, from bits that we didn't read just for the sake of brevity and time, for example, his sons, he had no control over them. And we read of two specific things that they were doing. They were being trained up to be priests like their father, But you know what they did? We know specifically of two things. They slept with the women who served in the the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And as well as that, they interfered with the ordering of the Lord's worship. And there's very specific sort of guidance in the Old Testament as to what parts of an offering belong to the Lord and what parts of the offering belong to the priest. And Eli's sons were totally ignoring that. And Eli did nothing about that. So right at the top of the spiritual leadership of Israel, there was darkness. And there was darkness in Hannah's own life. You know, I'm really heartened to come here this this morning and see how many people there are here, because let me tell you just a simple fact, that many congregations up and down the land, they're actually reduced to about 50 or 60% in terms of the people coming from pre-pandemic and pre-lockdown. These are actually difficult days for the church in this land. And then sort of getting nearer to home, we we think of some of the things that continually go on year after year at the assembly. These are dark days spiritually for the church in this land. And yet it was precisely at a dark moment that a fresh start began. And it began with the birth of Samuel because you remember what we read towards the end of our reading there in chapter three, that the word of the Lord started to be heard again. Before Samuel came, the word of the Lord was rare. There was, there was hardly any vision, if any vision. In other words, there was no evidence of the presence of the living God. It was all a memory. They would have been kings of nostalgia, They would have looked back to what God did years ago, but there was no actual evidence of the living presence of the living God in their midst. He wasn't speaking his word. It's a bad sign when God stopped speaking to his people. And he wasn't showing up. There was no vision. And yet, with the birth of Samuel the word of the Lord started to come again. It says the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. And some translations, such as mine, suggest that the appearing of the Lord was connected with the word of the Lord with Samuel's prophetic ministry. Other translations seem to set it apart as something different. All we know is that in some sense, the presence of the living God was made manifest again. And things were happening in the midst that people had to say, you can only explain that because God is here. That's ever been my hope for any congregation I've been minister of. That things would actually happen in the midst. That the only explanation is God did it. There's no other explanation for that changed life. There's no other explanation for what happened to me when I came to church this morning. There is no other explanation than that the Lord is speaking to his people and he's present with his people. Well, how did that come about? I really believe this is a word from the Lord for you. I'd said to Ian what I was intending to speak about this morning, and I'm not speaking about what I shared with him. (laughs) Because God is a living God. And I think what I said I was going to speak about was a carryover from what I'd been speaking about in Stornoway, which was his word for there, but not his word for here. it just exploded into my mind. After I'd said confidently what I was going to speak about, I just knew it was the wrong thing. And the Lord just told me, he said, I'm regarding Holy Trinity as Samuel. Why was Samuel called Samuel? Well, the name is connected with the Hebrew word Shema, which means to hear. And we're actually told in the Bible, did you notice it in the Bible reading? He was called Samuel because Hannah said, I asked the Lord for him. And the name Samuel sounds like the Hebrew for heard by God or heard of God. In other words, what brought about this start, is very, very simple. It was prayer. It was Hannah's prayers. Now prayer has always been part of this congregation. Can, can I tell you, I would have never been here as minister were it not for the prayers of God's people. I, some of you here won't know this story, but when I was originally approached, when I was minister up in Thurso, to ask if I would come here as minister, I think I got a letter from the nominating committee, and I don't come out well out of this story. <laughs> I threw the letter in the bin because I thought I can't think of anybody more unsuitable to go to Wester Hills than me. I think I got a second letter, and I threw that in the bin. And then I got a phone call And it was a phone call from Ian Stewart. And Ian Stewart said, we're just wondering why you and we are thinking differently about this. (laughs) And I said, he said, because we've been praying and we've been fasting and we think God has led us to approach you. And I came off that conversation just feeling terrible. But I felt it was still the wrong person. And I said to "You know, I've been really rude to these people and they seem so nice. Uh, And I think, you know, I'm going down to Edinburgh and I'll go and meet with them just to reassure them that they've got the wrong person, but to thank them for their interest and so on. And I went and I met with the nominating committee or the vacancy committee. And there I found they had all been fasting. They had all been praying. And they'd been led to approach me. And I had the honesty to say to them, I said, Well, I have to be honest with you. I've not prayed about this once, but I promise I will. And I knew before I got back to Thurso that the Lord was calling me here. And I said to Morag, Morag, you know what? I think God is in this, and we're going to Wester Hills. Some of you will know her response. Well, if you're going there, you're going there alone. I'm not, I'm not going there. And uh, I started to pray at that point. And it's wrong to pray that God will change people's minds, you know, to make them think the same way. But I did say, Lord, if you're in this, you know the way that Morag's feeling, and I just leave this with you. I think it was a couple of days later, she said, Kenny, do you know what? I think I'm 15% for going. And a couple of days later, I think maybe about 35 percent for going. And then it, I think it got up to something like 70. And I said, "Was well, that enough for us to go and meet with these people?" And we came and we met with the nominating committee and we heard again how they'd been praying. I'll say more about that tonight. And they'd been praying and they'd been fasting. We went back to Thursday. I was ready to say yes there and then. And Morag said, no, I need a couple of days back just away from the emotion of it all, just to, to think and pray. And we'd been back for two days. And I said to her, and she, she was praying, and I said, well, what do you think? And she said, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then she said, I think I'll need to go through to the other room and pray one last time. Otherwise, these people are going to be skeletons that have been fast, <laughs> fasting and pray, <laughs> praying so much. And so she went through to the other room, and she came back, and she said, through tears, we're going. Friends, prayer has always been the mark of this place. I'm just asking you, because I don't know, and I'm asking you in all innocence, is it still part of the mark of this place? Samuel, called Samuel because Hannah was heard of God in her prayers. I'm asking you, not, not to make you feel guilty, but just maybe to gently encourage you. Have you been heard of God this last week for Wester Hills? Only you can answer. Have you been heard of God this last week for Holy Trinity in Wester Hills? Have you been heard of God praying for Ian and the rest of the ministry team? or has nothing been heard from your lips in the place of prayer? Friends, it wouldn't just be that Morag and I wouldn't have come here. Morag wouldn't even be here were it not for prayer. When she was in a hospital bed with depression. As a teenager, she simply stretched her hand behind her and said, God help. Help. And God took hold of her hand. Do you believe that God is the hearer and the answerer of prayer? Well, is there fruit that shows that? I remember being so moved just up in in Stornoway not long ago. And I just happened to say, because I had COVID and I really sailed through that without any bother. And uh, I came back the following Sunday and I just thanked those who had been praying for me. And there was a couple got hold of me at the end and they said, Kenny, do you not know this, that many of us in this congregation have been praying for you since 2012. And we've been praying every day. So that's where this fresh start, this fresh impetus, this fresh life began. And if there's anywhere that makes that ring in my ears, more and more than anywhere else, it's when I'm in Stornoway. I said just when I was up here earlier that there's nowhere in the UK where in living memory God has worked more powerfully than in Lewis in the years 1949 to 52. Where, where just the whole communities were swept by the power of God. And Duncan Campbell said it was birthed in prayer. Started before he got there. It started with being birthed in prayer by God's people. And it was carried along by prayer. Friends, it's one of the most precious fruits of the cross that we have access to the Father by the way of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Some of us may be called to pray as a particular ministry. Do you know what any of us, this day, any day, every day of the week, we could stretch out our hand and say help. help the people of Wester Hills to know your love help the ministry of Holy Trinity Church help its leadership with whatever situations they're facing so i guess that's the first thing i want to say I'm just keeping an eye on my time and the second thing i want to say just having read that story to you is simply this, that the one whose prayers were heard of God and resulted in this baby being born, Samuel himself started to hear from God. And as well as reminding you just of the the privilege of prayer, I do want to remind you, I really believe you're called to be a prophetic people, who hear from God, and whose life together as a congregation is guided by what you hear from God, through the Scriptures, of course, but also through hearing prophetically, because by prophetic utterance, the Lord can direct us to something very specific out of the whole of His work that he means a people to major on at a specific moment, in a specific place, at a specific time. So the one who was born because God heard became the one who himself heard. And as I get into to that, I. I felt the Lord sing to me that there are some of you here who have lost your first love for Holy Trinity Church. It was very strong and I can't deny it that there's some of you here who've lost your first love and you can remember times when you came with great gladness and great enthusiasm and it was the highlight of your week to be here and to gather with God's people and you loved the worship and you appreciated the preaching. What's happened to it? Have you lost your first love for the Lord's people? It can happen, and I'll tell you what happens then, we become false prophets, because we start to speak about the congregation out of our frustration, not out of our first love. And we start to say things about the congregation, we start to say things about the leadership, Uh, and we bring something not good into the midst. I'm remembering my my old headmaster at the school that I went to and uh, he would say if any former pupils like myself came up to him and asked, how are things going in the school these days? He had a sort of stock answer that would sort of bamboozle you for a moment. He would say, oh, it's not half as good as when you were here, but it's twice as good as it ever was. (laughs) Remember, not kings of nostalgia. There's good things at every point in our history. And there's challenges at every point in our history. Don't become an angry prophet because you've lost your first love for Holy Trinity. How is a true prophet birthed? Well, we read several things of Samuel. (laughs) We read, for example, that he served in the house of the Lord. He was just there in the house of the Lord continually, tending to its lamps, opening its doors in the morning. So if I asked you, has God heard you praying in the last week for Holy Trinity? Let me ask you this. Have you served Holy Trinity in this last week? Have you done anything for Holy Trinity in this last week? Here's something else we know about him. He, he rested in the temple of the Lord. He slept there. I think as I look up and down the land that the devil has ridden into something, uh, into the life of the church in the back of something good, and it's called online. And it's the devil's way to ride into the heart of a believer through something that's good. The devil loves to isolate. He loves to keep us from meeting with God's people. He loves to isolate because he's like a roaring lion and that's what lions do. They isolate in order to devour and in order to destroy. I'm thinking of something that uh, someone that Ian uh, McDonald might know from Lewis, his name's Sandy Matheson, and he was a, an ex Lord Provost of uh, Stornoway. He was an ex Lord Lieutenant. And uh, I'm invited to this old man's club every Monday, and he's there, and the Stornoway Black Pudding Man is there. And uh, there's just also the, 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 the ex boss of the Port Authority is there. And they're all slightly older than me, touching 70, but the stories are just wonderful, and the humour is just wonderful, and the fighting is glorious. <laughs> it's just absolutely wonderful. But Sandy Matheson was sh- sharing a story just this uh, this the last time I was there, and it happened in Scaris the Breach Har- in Harris, which is a lovely part of the island. And uh, he and some friends and their children were all there together years ago, uh, and this particular beach, it's beautiful, but it's, it's quite dangerous if you go out too far into the sea. And so Sandy went out and he, he just held out his, arm, his arms and he said to the children, you know, it's safe if you come this far, but don't go beyond here. And then, I don't know if he was distracted by their uh, playing or or whatever, or just lost his concentration for a moment. He, He took one step back, and he went down into a hole under the sea. And the current got hold of him and swept him out to sea. And somebody saw this from the land and started to go in after him, and then the current got hold of him and swept him out to sea. And Sandy managed to get back to the beach and he was more or less unconscious. The other person was washed back to the beach and they thought he was dead. But he he did recover. Friends, the point is this. It was one step. And that too is the way that the devil works. He lures us and he lures us until we take just that one step. Folk used to get nervous for me because I preach standing on on the edge here. That just makes me feel secure because I can feel the edge. It makes me feel I'm not going to fall. But it makes some of you think, I am going to fall. But one step is all that it took. Where did you lose your love for Holy Trinity? Where did you lose your first love. Where did it change from I can't wait to get to that place on Sunday to the place where you're looking to anything else you can possibly be involved in rather than have to go to Holy Trinity? Friends, the thing is, we're we're meant to be a body. I remember reading that you know, being a Christian, being part of the church, it's it's almost a bit like having a dance with one another. You know, we've all got our gifts, and we've all got. Uh, hope you think I'm a, a nice mover, and uh, <laughs> you know, we're all sort of waltzing about and. Or think of it more like a Scottish dance, you know, for you're jumping and hooking and you go round and round and then you jump is it the dashing white sergeant and then you've to pick up somebody else. Well imagine you've done all your jumping and hooking and you've burrowed round with this person, you jump and you hook and you they're not there. They're not there. And the dance can't go on. What might fail in Holy Trinity if you're not here? What might fail in terms of making the face of God human out there if you're not here? Because, well, I don't think the church is this and I don't think the church is that and I think Ian this or I think, you know, someone else in the ministry team that and... So you're just, not, you're just not there. It's a serious word I've been asked to bring you. And the reason is because God cares about what happens here. You'd be pushed to find a congregation in the Church of Scotland there has been more blessed than Holy Trinity. It can all evaporate quite easily. I look at Lewis, and I'll finish with this. As I said, God has worked nowhere more powerfully in living memory than there. Friends, Lewis is as godless as any other part of Scotland. And the church in many places, every bit as dead, if not more dead. And yet that's in the very same place that when a boy stood up to pray, a 15-year-old boy, and said, Lord, I seem to be looking into heaven and I see the Son of Man with the keys of death and Hades in his girdle. And he started to weep and he said, oh God, there is power there. Would you let it loose? And at that point, everybody on one side of the congregation was flung back by a tornado of God. (laughs) And they lay on their back for two hours with their arms stretched out to the heavens. And the folk on the other side went prostrate on the floor, didn't move for two hours. There was not a single house within a five-mile radius where somebody was not converted at that very moment, in that very night. Yet go there today, an empty church, dead. Listen to the youngsters in the streets of Stornoway. I could be in Hills. The swearing, the filthiness. A great history doesn't guarantee a great future. And I think from the story of Samuel, I'm asking you are you praying? And secondly, are you present? I mean fully present. Baby, you need to pray. Lord, will you restore the joy and the love and the, just the excitement I felt about being part of this people. And may not a day go past Friends, is your name in a role here? Well, if it is, may not a day go past where you don't pray for Ian and the rest of the leadership and the life and the witness and the mission of this congregation. And if your name's not in the role, why not? And don't come away with, well, I'm just a follower of Jesus. I don't believe in John. Friends, that's as old a problem as the, the letter to Corinth. Would you know if we were part of the problem? Those who said, oh, don't we, we don't follow Cephas. We don't follow Paul. We don't follow Apollos. We just follow Christ. Didn't wash with Paul. It doesn't wash with me. If your name's not in the church roll. You're not the full thing. You're only part converted and part born again. Because when we're born of the Spirit, we're joined into one body. So there's the challenge, I believe, but also the promise. Can you hear the promise as well? If we pray and we're truly present, then the future can be brighter than the past. If we don't pray, and we'll lose our first love for this place, well, I'm planning to live till I'm in my 90s. So if you have your next celebration in 25 years, I hope you'll ask me back but will I find anybody here? Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for the stories in the Bible. There's so many of them where things seem to be at a, a difficult point that things could go either way. And yet this is the amazing truth that by your mercy, there always seemed to be another chapter. We thank you for your mercy, Lord, that any good thing that happens in a life or in a congregation, it's always by your mercy. And we thank you because of your mercy we can pray. Because of your mercy, you've opened up a way so that we can pray. Thank you for the cross of Jesus. Must always begin and end there. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that because you were wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, we can know we've got the ear of the Father. And we can come right in and we can pray and we can say, Help, help help, help me. Maybe somebody needs to pray that today. Forget the sermon. You just need to pray, Father, help me. I stretch out my hand to you. Help me in my life. Help me. And he'll not ignore that. He really won't. Just say help. I'll speak a wee bit more about what, what, what does it feel like when God answers the prayer of somebody who's desperate, says help. But Thank you, Father, we can pray too for this place. If, we, we've, if, if we've lost a, our place in prayer, restore it to us, Lord. Take away the fear of that or any thought that it's complicated or I don't know what to do. Any one of us can cry out, help, help. And then, Lord, if even if we can't remember where we took the first step, Lord, if if all of a sudden we've found we've taken a step away from people and we're in a black hole and we're in the, the hold of feelings and antagonisms and angers and towards the church that we just can't seem to get free from. God, in your mercy, would you deliver us? Get us back to safe shore again. Help us to take our place in the dance, Lord. So that all that you mean to show of your face in this place and through this place will indeed be accomplished. To your glory and to your praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, I don't know you equally well, and this thought came to uh, mind just a moment ago when I had my heart attack. They asked me, when did you take your last one? I said, well, I've never had another one. They said, yes, you have. You've had a heart attack before. It's mildly worrying to think of a heart attack and didn't know about it. That it happened through the night? What if it not woken up? Friends, can you just try and hold on to this? Because I think there's somebody here who maybe needs to know the Lord Jesus truly and fully, fully and completely. How, how can you dare to put your head in the pillow tonight if you're not saved? You don't know if you'll see tomorrow. I, I don't know if I'll die before I sit down beside Morag. Put the fear of God into me. I'd had a heart attack and didn't know it. Tomorrow belongs to nobody. Your next breath doesn't even belong to you. Have you ever come to Jesus? Have you ever come to Jesus? Because he's the only answer to our sin. And his cross is the only way to salvation. So is it time to get to Jesus? To get to him with your whole heart? And is it time for others to get back to church with our whole heart? And time for us to get before the throne of God with our whole heart? Well, may it be so. Uh, j- just before the, the benediction, I've been noticing all these little people that have been born uh, since I was last here. You know, why don't we stretch out our hand to the children, just for, uh, wherever you are, if there's children near you. Father, we simply pray for these children, that, Lord, you, the Lord, uh, we speak to these children, even though they don't truly listen or understand, the Lord bless you and keep you and the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And we speak to children who uh, were once here and are not here any longer, and we call them back, and we pray that they will hear your voice, Lord, that your voice will mean more to them than Sunday sport, (laughs) that your voice would mean more to them than anything of the things of the world. We call them back, Lord into their family, we call them back to the Lord Jesus Christ. We call them back to abundant life and fullness of life. We call them back, and we say to them, Lord, those who were once here but this morning are doing other things, we say over you from a distance, the Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom, his well-being for your whole life from this day forth and forevermore. And we pray for us all. I pray that the, the, blessed, the, the love of our dying Savior and the blessing of our risen Lord and the hope and certainty of our coming King will keep our hearts and minds in perfect peace. And may that the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with each one of us and all those whom we love and pray for this day and forevermore.